Welcome to You Know Too Much, the podcast about people, their obsessions, and how they have shaped them. I'm your host, Kaylin Ung, and we're about to welcome a very special guest. She was a lover of artichokes and elephants, is better than me at French, and was almost named Mildred. Give it up for Greta Cox. Greta, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I feel as though we haven't, like, spoken in so long, which is really funny because we used to see each other, like, almost every day, or at least, like, once a week for, like, a decade. Yeah, (laughs) at least a carpool everywhere. (laughs) I don't think I would have ever met you or became friends with you if it weren't for the topic at hand today. Yeah, I mean, we dressed up in some crazy outfits together. We've been everywhere. We've been on cruise ships together because of it. We've really just done it all together. (laughs) And it's definitely my passion, and I definitely want to do it for the rest of my life. And I think that's really cool because while we did come from like the same place and doing the same thing, I think we've both taken a different approach as to how we view this activity or view the way it has shaped us as people. And it's really cool seeing how you have grown and evolved in this experience and activity. Thank you. I don't think I would be who I am without it. And that is why the topic at hand today is musical theater or the art of performing on the stage as a whole. So the starting of it all is, how did you get into musical theater? Well, when I was younger, I wanted to start dancing because I wanted to be in a performance of The Nutcracker. So I was put in ballet class and my older sister, who's about like eight years older than I am, was doing theater. And I used to go to her shows and I used to watch and be like, I can do that. Like, I want to do that. But I was a really shy kid. So putting me in theater, like, I was really hesitant at first. And then I sort of just, like, got out of my shell and was a whole new person on stage. And from then on, I've just, I've never stopped. One of the things that people always talk about that is, like, unique about musical theater as a whole is this idea of, like, a triple threat, right? It's a person who can sing, dance, and act, and you have to be good at all of them. Have you always considered yourself someone that is good in all of those three? Definitely not. I think for me, I'm such a perfectionist that I feel like I constantly need to get better in all aspects. I definitely started as a dancer and singing actually came later for me. Um, I really started working hard and singing and taking private voice lessons when I was 12. And acting classes I didn't really start getting serious with until high school. So I think they're definitely not all even. But I think that's what's so awesome about musical theater is that you're constantly trying to improve in all three. And I think even like the most famous performers would say that they're constantly trying to improve in every aspect. I think that's a really good answer because from the theater company we grew up in, I think that there came a time where we realized a lot of the people around us were very complacent in their talent, or they just, from a very early age, thought they were so great. And I think that's really funny looking back, because we were what? We were like 10, 11, and so many people there are like, yes, I am truly the best singer, best dancer, best actor in the world, and... It's like a four, seven, like fifth grader. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think growing up, as we did in that specific theater company, everyone was trying to sort of be better than the person next to them. And being in an environment like that can really tear someone down. I know for me, like for a long time, I sort of lost that love I had for musical theater because of that environment. Um, and But also that like gave me a fire that I needed to keep improving because I felt like I constantly had something to prove. So definitely like pros and cons of growing up in an environment like that. For sure. And I think very early on, everyone kind of realizes what it is that they are better at. There was a pretty natural split, I think, where you gravitated so much towards dancing and I was like an awkward human being and was like, I understand music, <laughs> so I will just just go full in on like vocals and music. Not to, not that I'm like the greatest singer or like a good singer, but like I felt like I knew music better than most people. So there like came a point where it was like I would be vocal captain and you would always be dance captain. Yeah. And that was really like fun. So why was dancing the thing out of the three that really drew you in the most? I think for me, because I was, I am such an introvert and I was so shy as a kid that it was the easiest way for me to be the opposite of that. And also because I feel like I had sort of a natural gift with it, if I could say that, that I continued to do that because I already felt like it was something that came naturally to me as opposed to like singing and acting that I had to work really hard at to get better. So I think dance was sort of always that constant that I had to go to and felt like it was that one thing that I was good at. Even though dancing was something that you really enjoyed and felt as though you were so good at, you still ended up going back to primarily focusing on musical theater like there was a time where we were both in like dance competition teams and these performing groups and in the end you and I I mean I kind of like ditched the whole thing as a whole but <laughs> you <laughs> but you like left competition dance world and went mostly to musical theater so what is that draw about musical theater like even in high school your choice to leave like the primary dance world and focus on musical theater i mean for me growing up i went to a really intense ballet school and everyone there was training to be intense ballerinas and i think even then i knew that that wasn't what i wanted to do or what i was like pushing towards i feel like even during my dance training it was always to use that for musical theater like I think I always had musical theater as the end game and I think storytelling too in like theater is so different and so much more fulfilling for me than just like dancing at a competition or a performance. I think storytelling is a huge aspect of theater that people kind of take for granted because it seems as though it's like pretty straightforward or obvious that would happen because you know there is dialogue, there is singing, there is dancing, but there's so much more to it than just like the face value. There's a lot of like abstract ideas that come from set design and movement and costumes and all that. It really is an all-encompassing art form. And in that idea, do you think that what you've learned in theater 
about like storytelling or performance has influenced you in other areas of your life? Oh, for sure. Um, I think a lot of perseverance. Um, theater, more than half of what you're doing when you have a, th- a career in theater is auditioning and you get a lot of rejection. And I think sort of learning how to handle that type of rejection is something you can take into your life when like in any aspect, when there's a setback, you know how to persevere through that. And I think also just having something that you're constantly striving towards is really important. Having like goals. And I think I've learned even to just like work with different types of people. I know like in high school, like with group projects, I feel like I knew how to handle those better because I knew how to be in a cast for a show. And I knew how to work with people that maybe were difficult to work with, like it's difficult sometimes to work with people in a science group project. So definitely many aspects I've taken into my life. I always think it's funny when people are like, the arts aren't important, you know, because even as a person who, well, now is studying in a creative field, I grew up as a very like math, science oriented person but even within there there is so much you take away from being on a stage right like stage presence and that ability to like command a crowd or just talk to people and you know learn the idea of keep going even if you are that person in the back of the ensemble I think that these are all like very valuable skills that people need to be able to like command themselves in the real world. And I think that like, that's why theater and the arts is important, right? When people are like, we don't need the arts. The arts is not just a kid with like a paintbrush painting on a page and being like, yay. Yeah. It's, it's so much more layered than that. I think it's so important to just give people uh, an outlet to express themselves and like self-confidence. Like I know, when I was younger, I was never afraid of like giving a presentation in front of class because I could perform in front of hundreds of people every night. So presenting in front of a classroom like didn't even seem like a scary thing to me. And just teamwork building skills, like just basic skills that kids learn, you can learn through the arts. I remember I did a Girl Scout Gold Award project helping kids in a low-income neighborhood and I brought theater to them, and they were gaining skills in two weeks that I feel like a lot of people who don't do theater have to gain in five years. So I think theater just brings a lot to people. On that topic of, you know, with your project being able to bring theater to places that usually wouldn't have it, I know that the theater company we used to go to, when it first started, had a huge focus on trying to make sure that theater was all-inclusive and that just because you couldn't afford the tuition or afford the cost of a show didn't mean that you shouldn't be able to participate in it. And so many people that were in that original program turned out to be very successful, right? Like, one of them went on to be in the original Broadway cast of Bring It On, and, you know, there was such a great impact. But if you look at that company now... That focus through time and changes of administration and all that has really lost that goal. And as such, I think a lot of the talent has been withered away in the sense that it very became a, if you have money and you have influence, you can get a bigger role. 
if you look back to how when musical theater really started and gained popularity, it was really fueled by, you know, immigrants and people of the lower class seeing this as an opportunity to make it or break it and get out of poverty. But now the idea of partaking in theater really tends to be something that is only for white people or people in the elite, people that can afford the training and all that. Do you think this will change? Do you think this is just how it's always going to be? Or what do you think is a way to make theater more inclusive for everyone? It's definitely difficult. Um, I think especially this year during the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of people came forward with a lot of issues that are in the theater community. I think a lot of original shows like during the Golden Age were mainly mainly cast white people and a lot of like the ingenues um, who are cast are white people and I think some people have a hard time picturing any other race playing those roles because oh the original person was white so why would we change that and I think it's so important to realize that we need to cast people of all aspects but and it's hard because I think people automatically assume theater is an inclusive community but there are a lot of issues. I know when I was going through the college audition process, a lot of people of color can't afford to go through it because it's so expensive. You have application fees and you have to fly to these places to audition. That's, I think, actually one pro of COVID-19 is that now that all auditions are online, more people of color can audition for these schools because they don't have to fly. They don't have to pay airplane fees to go to these places. So I think that's definitely something these theater communities need to look into is how their fees and casting are affecting other people. And I think that while the focus is currently on Broadway and like the big stages, the real work has to start at these local theater companies that are the ones that are creating the next generation of people that are going to fall in love with the art or learn how to appreciate it. Because if from the beginning, if a six or seven year old wants to get on stage but can never do it, then how are they going to be expected to do it when they're like 18 or 19 years old? Yeah. And I think so much of it starts from when we're younger. Yeah. I also think realizing what is appropriate I remember, I don't know if you're in this, but I was in a, a production of The Wiz as a kid with all white people. Yes. Um, <laughs> and if you know The Wiz, The Wiz is with all black people. So having like a white Dorothy and a white Tin Man is just so inappropriate. But my director and my choreographer thought it was okay, so I thought it was okay. Like, I think it needs to start with these directors and holding them accountable. I know later on I was in a production and they had a white person wear cornrows in her hair, which is completely inappropriate, but the director told her to wear them, and so she's not going to say no, um, because that's her boss, in a sense. So I think starting with these people who are in charge of these theater companies and holding them accountable is super important. I know that in our theater company growing up, I was probably one of like five people that weren't white there most of the time. And, you know, it was the idea, it's like, sure, I'm probably not getting a lead role because there are people that are better than me. But also it's like, am I probably not getting a lead role because I'm not white? And if I think about like roles that are made for Asian people, it is the really racist characters of like Bung Fu <laughs> or whatever his name yeah. is in yeah. Thoroughly Modern Millie. And 
my one starring role as the Chinese convert in Anything Goes. Granted, I purposely wanted that role because <laughs> I'm like, if I do it, it won't be that offensive. And I think it's funny. But also, like, really not great because it was me <laughs> and this white girl. Like, they asked her to put eyeliner on to, like, make her eyes look smaller. It was a whole thing. I didn't know that. That's horrible. Yeah, they they did. And, you know, we spoke in really offensive Asian accents. And, like, for me to do it, it felt slightly less wrong because I am Asian. And it's like, I'm in on the joke. But, like, I recently watched one of my friend's old versions of Thoroughly Modern Millie, where she plays the innkeeper. I can't remember the name, but the yeah. innkeeper who's yeah. supposed to be... Yeah, I know be, you're talking about. Yeah, who's supposed to be either. Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then, like, two other white girls play, like, the two people that are from China, China that sing this song in Chinese. And they're all, like, nine, ten in it, so it's not their fault, but watching it... I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe some adults out there let these kids go on stage and we're like, yes, this is completely okay. <laughs> yeah, there was a production of uh, Mulan that my middle school did, uh, I think two years ago, and they did like face paint makeup on all of these white kids. And then they did Lion King the next year. It's like things like this, like what are you teaching these kids? Like, they're going to grow up and go into high school and college and think things like this are okay. And what's funny is that I was the musical director for one of the summer camps at our theater company, and they did Mulan as their theme. And on the cover of the official, like, Mulan music book is two 11-year-old and 13-year-old white boys. So it's, like, inherently when this was made, this was made for, like, little white kids to play all of these characters so do you think that with the people that are in theater right now like the upcoming generation because there is more awareness that will help something change because once they reach positions of power they'll be able to try to uproot the system or do you think because they're seeing the people in charge of them still doing this stuff that will create a precedent for this to keep going I think there definitely definitely will be change. I think people in our generation are definitely more open to saying, "Hey, this isn't right. Why like we need to change this." And even like I think social media has a great hand in doing that because people are making accounts, people are holding schools accountable for their racist actions. And I think then once, you know, we become directors or choreographers, we're going to make sure that we're not repeating history and doing what we've done for 50 plus years in the theater community. One of the things that you were talking about earlier was how theater has really made you been able to work with a wide variety of characters, of people, you know, working group projects, learning how to work with people different than you. And I think that while that is a very important part of theater, in reality, that idea of like, working as a cast, as a group, is not always apparent. You know, there is that phrase of leave the drama on the stage. I feel like you never go through a single production where the whole cast has to be sat down by the production manager or the director and basically give, you know, this big pep talk of like, I don't care if you all hate each other, you know, leave the drama on the stage. Toxic environments are something that are extremely prevalent 
in these things. So what type of community do you wish was created in theater versus what have you actually seen? And what is your like thought on that idea of leave the drama on the stage? I definitely think it's really important to not always feel like you're competing against everyone else because theater, you know, you're competing against someone else for a role. You want to be in the front for the dance, but at the end of the day, you're all part of one single unit. You're part of one show. You're part of one cast. Um, and I think it's easy to forget that. Um, I've been in productions specifically in high school um, where it felt like everyone was comparing everyone to everyone else. And, you know, who's the better this role or who's better at this? Who would be better as this role? Why am I not in the front of this dance? And I think environments like that sort of ruin the fun of like and sort of make it hard to remember why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. I know once I left high school, I sort of questioned like should I keep doing this? And I think it's really important to remember that everyone is doing theater because they love it and comparing it comparing yourself to everyone around you is going to make for a bad environment for everyone involved. Do you have any memories or like specific instances of things happening, you know, with your fellow cast members or just people that you did theater with that, you know, kind of made you step back and think like, this is kind of crazy. Like people are forgetting what it is to just like be decent people. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) There have been people... I think there's a big thing in theater that you never correct your fellow castmates. And I think sometimes people sort of take on this like superiority over others. I know in middle school, I noticed this a lot at the theater company we both went to, that a lot of people sort of wanted to take charge, which is great, but correcting other people sort of like diminishes like your own growth. And I think because growing up in a theater community that was so much about like getting ahead of your friends it was so easy to like lose why you were doing what you're doing in the first place I know I had a friend who constantly just would tell people oh I'm getting this role I'm getting this role like this is my role and then you're like well why am I even doing this like it makes you not even want to try because people are already claiming they have ownership over things I have a specific memory of when we were in the eighth grade and we were performing at Disneyland and our costume for that year involved us wearing hair extensions to make these very long ponytails. And I've always been a person that even when things are absolutely atrocious, I will be quiet and be like, yep. This is what we're going to do. Like, we've had some absolutely not the most visually appealing costumes to wear. And in no means would I say what we were wearing in the eighth grade was the worst of the worst. But for some reason, at this specific performance, the girls that were in our performing group decided that this was the day they were going to stage, like, a revolt And we're going to really show our directors that they can't control us. We have the upper power. And I remember after our director and choreographer did the costume checks, one of the girls in our group was like, oh, everyone's going to take their extension out 
so that when we go on stage, they can't say anything, and we're really going to show them. You know, we're really going to just prove to them like how much better we are than these grown adults that are in charge of putting things together. And I mean, obviously it backfires. They take out the extension, like, and they're all so proud of themselves. And then the director walks back in and is like, what the heck did you just do? I end up being the one that goes to, like, apologize for the group and be like, I understand. This was all irrational. Like, we're so sorry. We'll never do it again. But then again, like, the pettiness doesn't just end with students, right? I think a lot of it is you can't expect kids to be good if the people if the people that raise them aren't good, because then again, I remember when we actually went to perform, our director purposely looked at his phone the entire show and refused to watch us. But then when it came time for like my solo, because I apologize, he made a point of like pretending to record me or something as like a fuck you statement or something like that to everyone else. But it's just stuff like that that I think of that I'm like, this is insane. (laughs) It's hard because... If these, like, theater directors aren't even holding the students accountable, then we're just gonna think anything's okay. I remember the same director. I took a dance class once, and I didn't have the best relationship with him at the time because of something else that happened. And so I gave my friend a payment for the class, and I said, hey, can you give this to the teacher? And so she went up to him and gave it to him. And then he later emailed my mom saying that I shoved the payment in the girl's face and it's just like things like that that make you like not want to be a part you think that every theater company from there forward is going to be that toxic and i think that is probably why so many people stop doing theater once they get into high school i think that it's very easy to get caught up in the politics of it all it is very rare to go to places that really just are focused on like the art and all that, because at least at the place we went to, most of the people that were there had been there for close to a decade. Like, the students really grow up there, and it was this place that you see people go through this whole thing of being, like, five in summer camps, and then graduating, like, high school and graduating with the program and stuff, but it got to the point where it was, like, when a bunch of us left in the eighth grade, We were people that had been cast in almost every show or had participated in almost everything they did. And then I remember I went back for an audition when we were in ninth grade after I had been gone for a few months and they didn't cast me. And I remember when I I went to ask why I didn't get cast, they were like, oh, it was nothing on your talent. It was just that you had listed a bunch of scheduling issues on your audition sheet and that's why we thought like you wouldn't be able to make it but the thing was I hadn't put any scheduling issues down (laughs) like I had not written a single thing in that section and that's the moment where I'm like oh okay like I will not be speaking to you ever again or coming back here because it's like so blatantly obvious right yeah that it's all just caught up in the politics yeah I think because I also left there in eighth grade, and I think that made me so hesitant to join um, theater in high school, um, because I thought that I was going to go through the same thing. And I definitely went through hard times in different ways, just because teenagers doing theater is, is difficult. People are dramatic on and off the stage. But I think I realized that there are a lot of good 
people who do theater. Um, I went to a different theater company this summer um, going into sophomore and junior year, and everyone was so about the art and being inclusive that it was like, oh, like people, like there are actually nice people in theater that really care about the art um, and making everyone feel accepted. And I think that was definitely what brought my joy to theater back was being a part of this community of people who wanted the best for each other and didn't constantly feel like they were like pushing everyone away to get ahead, but everyone was sort of one unit, which was really nice. So what would you say to people that want to get into theater or are in these places that it feels as though they're not welcome to be a part of it? How do you convince people to like, keep staying with the art for me it really helped to remind myself why i was doing it in the first place that joy of being on stage and i think there are a lot of places like it's hard to it's sometimes easy to forget but there are a lot of places that are really accepting and i think it's important for everyone to find those places because they do exist and also not being afraid to speak up when you see things that don't sit right with you or you feel like you're being pushed to the side. I know for me, I was always really scared to speak up when I saw things that weren't right because I was afraid of the repercussions. But I think it is so important to not be afraid to be like, hey, like this isn't okay. I don't like how I'm being treated. Because again, things like, you know, including more race in theater and those toxic environments, um, it starts with us um, to make them better and to hold people accountable. I think it's, if you want people to continue the art and you want people to continue to appreciate it and appreciate you as an artist, you have to uphold those values too. Like you can't just say it and want people to be here when you yourself don't do those things. And I think that one of the things that is showing or trying to make theater more inclusive or feel more opening is or a way that we can see how this is changing is that I feel like at least in the past decade the audience for theater has grown immensely the audience for musical theater is not just for like hoity-toity purists anymore and it's been kind of crazy seeing how the idea of the musical has transferred into mainstream media like, musical movies have always existed. That was one of the original art forms in the coming of sound um, and color for television. Uh, I mean, for film, especially. But recently, it seems as though the art of musical theater has really been able to cross over into the mainstream consciousness. Shows like Dear Evan Hansen, Heathers, everyone seems to be into it. Do you think there is still this, like... I guess the word to use would be stigma, where people that are into musical theater are like the nerds, the bottom of the bottom. When you watch any like high school teen movie, it's like, ah, the jock falls in love with the theater geek. I guess prime example is like high school musical, right? Like how could Troy Bolton, this basketball star, ever join the theater company? Do you think that idea is still prevalent or do you think musical theater is a thing that people are starting to be like, oh, people can like it and be in it just as how anyone can be into like TV. I think because theater is such a like 
changing art form. It has become more mainstream. Um, I also think a lot of the music is more contemporary and is music that people would hear like every day on the radio or on their streaming platforms that they feel like they can relate to it. I think also with shows like Heathers and Dear Evan Hansen, the characters like teenagers can really relate to those characters in the way of like, oh, like I felt alone too. Like I know what it's like to be like Evan um, or um, Veronica and Heathers. Like I know what they're going through. You know, theater has such this like reputation of like old white people are going to the theater. But I think because there's this shift of the type of music and the type of story that people are now telling, teenagers and younger audiences feel more inclined to enjoy it because it's their story or the music that they enjoy. Do you think that the change in tone of how theater sounds and looks is good because it's bringing in such a wider audience or do you think it's losing that purity that comes from traditional theater? Like, when we have mainstream shows, such as mainstream shows that are based on popular IP, you know, Spongebob, the musical, Mean Girls, the musical, Percy Jackson, the musical, Jagged Little Pill, based specifically on Alana Morris songs. Like, does that take away from the integrity of musical theater, or does the fact that now more people can appreciate the art outweigh it? I think it's sort of a mix. I think... For me, I really enjoyed Mean Girls, the musical. I thought it was really exciting. And I definitely do think there's sort of a monetary part of all of this. I think they realize that shows like Spongebob and Mean Girls and Jagged Little Pill will bring in audiences. So I think it's like important to remember that side of theater is that they do need to make money. But I do think I love original work, so I hope that they will continue to put original stories in theater because I think that's so important. I think sort of movie musicals are either a hit or a miss. I remember when they were coming out with like Shrek the Musical, I was like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? But I love Shrek the Musical. I think it's great. But there are other shows. I know Lightning Thief sort of had a had mixed reviews. So I think like, yes, I think they're interesting to see on stage, but I think it's also important to still maintain what theater has always been and sort of tell these original stories. In that same realm, then, I guess the reverse of that question would be that when musicals get made into movies, prime example most recently, Cats the Musical, the movie starring Taylor Swift, Idris Elba, does that then tarnish the reputation of musicals if that is the first introduction someone has to theater? I think Cats is a rare example because I definitely think they didn't do Cats justice. I love Cats, um, <laughs> but that version was interesting on, sta on screen. But I sometimes it is difficult to go to live theater and sometimes movies are the only access people have to anything close to a real um, live musical. But I do think they've done a lot of good with television and uh, musicals. I think like 
things like La La Land and Greatest Showman, at least for me, reminded me why I love theater so much is because of like that random outburst of song and dance. And I think things like that and um, movie musicals like High School Musical and Camp Rock, I feel like bring a lot of joy to, to kids. And I know a lot of people who watch those and was like, well, I want to do theater. So I think sort of unlike the movie to musical, I think the musical, like movie musicals, definitely have more of a positive effect on their audiences. It seems like a lot of people in our generation, at least, that may have been hesitant to step foot in a theater or watch anything that is put on stage have definitely become more receptive of it because so much of our childhood, at least, did revolve around these music-centric Disney Channel movies and, in recent years, all these musical-focused shows. But along something you were saying earlier where, of course, you know, behind the curtain, everyone knows that so much of any industry is monetarily based. One of the things that shows do to draw in more revenue is that they'll purposely hire celebrities to do like limited runs on shows that are maybe about to like close or they just need a little bit more influx of cash. And a lot of the times this works well, right? Um, I think Jordan Fisher is a prime example of someone that is actually really talented and does this well. Um, Sabrina Carpenter on Mean Girls was quite successful, but then there are other castings that are quite blatantly obvious of this is just a manger pool. Um, back on Mean Girls, before the pandemic closed, it, Cameron Dallas had a small stunt and if you haven't heard any of the audio from that show of Cameron Dallas, you really should because it is, it's quite something. Like, oh no gosh. offense to Cameron Dallas, but run of the mill general people who can just hold a basic tune will sound better than he does. Do you think that, I think it's called stunt casting? Do you think that these types of casting take away from, you know, people whose livelihoods are theater, is this more harmful than good for the actual working theater people? I think, you know, you mentioned Cameron Dallas, and I have heard some of those audios. Um, and I think something like that does take away from the experience because there are so many talented male performers that are just eager for a job and eager to be on Broadway and perform. And I think something like that definitely takes away from their hard work. I definitely understand the need and want to put in um, more famous people um, in Broadway. And I think there have definitely been people on stage that I've been like, oh my gosh, like that would be so cool to see her. I know like Colleen Ballinger, who's a famous YouTuber, was Dawn and Waitress, but she also started out in musical theater when she was younger and went to musical theater, went to college for musical theater. So she had that background. So she knew how the theater community worked, um, how the industry works, how it is to, um, how rehearsals work. Um, and I think there's definitely a difference between that and bringing in a celebrity who has never worked with other theater performers who've maybe been performing since they were five. Um, and I think that definitely takes away from 
the performing um, aspect. It has been interesting seeing how the world of the internet has shaped the theater community in the sense that not only for stunt casting, where they'll see people that are popular online and put them in shows, but also discovering new talent. Um, I think one of the most recent examples of this was Rachel Zegler, who is going to be Maria and Steven Spielberg's rendition of West Side Story. Um, she got found because a video of her went viral on YouTube singing Shallow, and she is an incredible performer from from her high school theater days. And platforms like TikTok are bringing to light more and more people in the theater community that are very talented and are writing new material and all of that. And I mean, this isn't serious theater, but on TikTok, people are trying to put together a Ratatouille musical. Oh, I saw and that. <laughs> Love. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's incredible, like the amount of material people are pumping out on there. Do you think that the idea of musical theater is going to one day extend beyond Broadway and beyond like mainstream film. Like, will we one day have theater stars that are just extremely popular just on social media? Yeah, I think um, also with COVID, people are just finding so many different ways to keep being creative um, and using their talents. Um, and I think it's really cool how people are becoming so famous on these platforms. I think it's also like really nice to just see these people who are just like us, who are creating at home and publishing it online um, and then getting an audience from it. I think it brings a lot of hope to people. I think sometimes people um, forget that all these famous people were just like us at one point. Um, they were in their room, their bedroom singing. And, um, I think platforms like TikTok, um, and Instagram, seeing sort of everyone post and put out material, I think it's definitely exciting to see sort of how theater is evolving, especially during COVID-19. Everyone's finding these different ways um, to continue to put out art. Like People have been putting full shows on Zoom, and I think it'll continue to evolve, and technology will continue to shape how theater is produced. For sure. And I think it is very exciting seeing all of these new ways that theater is getting out there because that only widens the audience and only helps increase the number of people that can see the possibility and see how they themselves can change the art. And I think one of the areas that I think of is how, you know, us being girls who did musical theater wasn't that big of a deal because girls do dance and acting and singing and all of that very often. But it's a lot harder for guys that want to be in it because of just the stigmatization around people that are in any sort of like artistically creative field. Do you 
see based on like 2020 like world climate that this stigmatization around like men or like less or the idea that people can do theater and not have to be quote-unquote feminine i yeah i definitely see it evolving um especially now i feel like gender stereotypes are shifting so much i feel like the idea that like oh boys need to play sports boys need to you know play basketball i think that idea is definitely shifting um and people are becoming more accepting of the fact that no like a boy can dance or a boy can do theater and not and be maybe if he wants to be feminine he can be feminine or he can just be just do theater because he likes to do theater um and i think that's really nice to see because i feel like growing up so many boys that i did theater with were hesitant to even tell their friends at school that they did theater because they were scared of being bullied or um being made fun of by their friends um and so seeing that shift is really nice to mention covid-19 again I think people have realized how important the arts are because in our free time, we're all watching movies and we're watching musicals and seeing um, how important the arts are, I think has definitely allowed people to gain more respect for people who participate in it. You are currently studying musical theater in college. How has studying theater in that sort of environment differed from just doing theater growing up do you think that going to school for theater is going to be or has been important on understanding what it will be like to become a professional performer it's definitely very different I think when you're just performing with your local theater company or in high school There's a lot of people who are just doing it for fun or doing it as an extracurricular or need the credits to graduate. Um, But everyone in my class, in my musical theater and acting class, they all are doing it because they're passionate about it and they want to pursue it as a career. And so being in that environment where everyone just cares so much, um, I think has really helped me work harder. Um, And it's definitely... Um, a more intense environment, but I think because you're so focused on the work, um, I mean, I feel like I've improved more in these last two months than I did all of high school, um, because everyone really builds everyone up, and it's such a supportive environment, um, and I think they definitely prepare, are preparing us, um, for the, for life outside of college theater, because it is such this intense environment. I go to a conservatory, so it's pretty much all theater classes. And they teach us how to network and audition technique. And those are all tools that we're going to need once we start pursuing our careers. So definitely a more intense environment, but definitely worth it. Because I know that a lot of parents, at least when they hear their kids want to go to a school to study something creative, like whether that be theater school, film school, art school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot of parents are like, 
I don't understand why you would have to go to school for that. Like, why don't you study something quote unquote useful and then you can just do the other thing on the side? Like, you don't need to like, what are you going to learn there? But it's, there's so much more to know about all these creative fields than just the idea of doing them. And I think that's what people don't understand. And it's, as you said, like learning how to audition, even if for some reason at the end of your four years there, you're like, hmm, maybe I don't want to do theater. That skill of learning how to audition is so cross applicable, right? Like you could go, that is applicable to selling a product, to pitching something in a business meeting. Like all of these things that you end up learning are so much deeper and so much more valuable than I think a lot of people understand. And I think that's why going to an art school or a liberal arts like education has a lot more benefits than people know. And like me studying film, I would never tell someone to just jump into the film industry right away. Like, like I just don't think it would be possible. And I think that you would feel the same way now about probably theater, like even only being there for two months, like it seems you're definitely going to leave with like an upper hand. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I also plan am planning on minoring in performing arts management. So there's like other aspects of the performing arts um, that I care about. And I think having this education in theater where you're so focused in on, on it for four years, like you're focused in on film for four years, um, will be so prepared um, for the real world. I think the thought of like, going straight from like high school to the real world it's just like like I feel like we need these four years to like fully get an education and like really own in on our passion so then looking towards the future you are now standing um in the middle of Times Square you're 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 staring out at the the signs of Broadway and someone comes up to you and they're like Greta Cox Greta Cox Sign this contract for any role, any show, any position. You can do whatever it is you want. What is the role? What is the show? Or is this a new musical that you're just like, I need to make right now? What is the dream, Greta? Oh my gosh, the dream. Um, I have a lot of dreams. Um, I would love, <laughs> I would love to play a lead in a tap show. Or, like, a funny role in a more modern show. Honestly, Ratatouille the musical sounds great. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I know eventually um, I want to open my own youth theater company. Um, I think it's so important. Like, I would not be where I am without the youth theater companies, plural, that I grew up in. Um and I think it's so important for kids to have that same experience. Um, so I would love to provide that. Um, in terms of musicals, though, there's like so many shows I would want to be in. Um, it's hard to choose just one. Um, I would definitely love to see more original. I'd love to be like in an original piece from start to Broadway, like from original workshops to Broadway. Um, I think that would be a really cool like creative process to be a part of um I would love to be in a national tour 
um, I think touring the country would be a really great learning experience. I'd love to perform on a cruise in the Disney cruise. That would be so fun. Um, yeah, I think just performing. I just want to perform. That is so nice to hear in the sense that all you want to do is perform. And as such, I don't think that you'll reach a point where you feel like stuck or stilted because you've never achieved like this one singular role and I think I think a lot about um in Glee Rachel Berry being stuck on this idea of just wanting to be the lead in Funny Girl and like that's all she'll want for the rest of her life but it feels as though you know your real passion is just to like spread the idea of musical theater for as long as you can and I 100% believe that that will happen. And um, if you never get to perform on a cruise again, though, you can always remember that you did get to do that one time. Yes, I did. (laughs) And you can always cast me in one of your future films. (laughs) Of course. Um, Never forget our wonderful fourth grade performing group performance on the, um, I think it was Princess Cruises Alaskan (laughs) tour. Oh, Royal Caribbean, yes. Alaskan. Royal Caribbean. Trip, whatever. <laughs> oh, that was the time of our life. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, I do hope one day that I produce a musical and you will be the first person I call up. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> but with that, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Is there anything you would like to plug? Where can people find you? Is there something you think people must see, hear, watch? Anything at all? You can find me on Instagram at Greta Marie Cox. Um, I'm not super interesting, um, but maybe once in a while you'll see me posting about Kaylin. So. <laughs> Awesome. And you can find us at You Know Too Much Pod on Instagram. You, the letter U, two, the number two. You can find me at Strike and Pro on most platforms. And thank you again, Greta, for being on our show. And thank you for having me. You can me. catch You Know Too Much back here on Chapman Radio in two weeks. See you all next time.